Good evening and welcome again. We're grateful for your presence. We're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, the passage that was read just a moment ago. Before we do that, I do, I do want to express appreciation to each of you for your presence tonight. We're thankful that we have the opportunity to come together in a free country to worship God and to serve Him without fear of any type of outside harm or trouble. It is a great privilege to live in this country, and for that we are grateful. We do want to welcome those who are visiting with us tonight. As always, we invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're thankful for the number of folks that have placed membership with us here in recent months. And it might be the case that as we begin, or as we look toward fall, that you are in the process of looking for a church home and we would love to have you come and join hands with us and work together as we do our best to lift up Christ in this community. Tonight, as we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we want to talk for a minute or two about words of comfort or hope when death comes. All of us, at some point in time, in the past, have been affected by death. I think about since I have been preaching, the countless numbers of funerals that I have been privileged to attend, to try to offer words of comfort to those that lost loved ones. If I'm not mistaken, the first funeral service that I ever conducted was for a young teenager. And yet since that time, I'm not sure how many funerals I have been privileged to conduct. But nonetheless, when we think about death, while it is not a pleasant subject, it is one that we need to consider what the Bible has to say about, and then we need to see the silver lining in death itself. When Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, there were people there that were troubled about the loss of their loved ones. And so what Paul sought to do was to encourage them and to inform them about where their loved ones presently were. And ultimately, point out that the Lord, the Lord himself was with them and caring for them. And so tonight we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and following, and we begin by talking about the counsel concerning those who sleep in the Lord. There is a phrase used by the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, that underscores what it means to die in Christ. They are at rest in the Lord. When Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, there were many saints that were already at rest in the Lord. As we think about the words of counsel that were given to these saints about their departed dead, I want to begin tonight by talking about the tendency to fear death. I have asked in class settings before, what do you fear most about death? It seems to me that one of the reoccurring comments or answers that I have received to that question is that people often fear not just the unknown, but they fear how they will die. And granted, 
for most of us at this point in time in our journey here on planet Earth, we may not know how we're going to die. There are some that have been diagnosed with terminal illnesses and they, they understand that in all probability that's what's going to take them out of this world. But for many of us, we just don't know. And then the fear of the unknown. Listen to what Paul said in verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant. Some translations may say uninformed. I would not want you to be uninformed, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. The only, the only way that we can literally lift the veil on the unseen world and understand what lies beyond this life is through the scriptures. Paul here, writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that the things that he wrote were the commandments of the Lord. And so Paul is shedding light on the state of those who have died in Christ. And there are a lot of people in our world today, yes, they fear the unknown. They fear what lies beyond the grave. Well, if we read, study, and meditate upon the scriptures, rather than live, living in fear or anxiety about death, I think that we can, we can develop greater appreciation for the unseen world, for the Hadean realm, and what ultimately lies ahead for all of God's children. But then let me just cite for you a minute or two about the truthful facts concerning death. Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 uses the term sleep to describe death. Death is viewed as a sleep. Listen again to what he said beginning in verse 13. He said, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Three times in three verses, Paul alludes to death as a sleep. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when Paul validates the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, he talks about those who have fallen asleep. And the idea is that they have died. They have stepped out into eternity. The word cemetery, it literally means a place where people sleep. Now I understand that the soul is not asleep, but the body resides or sleeps in the cemetery. Sometimes we talk about the cemetery as the silent city of the dead. And so death, number one, is viewed as a sleep. Number two, death is viewed as a separation. In James chapter 2 at verse 26, James said the body without the spirit is death. The body is made up of the outward man and the inward man, or let me just rephrase that. Human life as we know it is made up of the outer man and the inner man. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the apostle Paul talks about the outward man perishing. He said, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. And so there is this physical body, this, as Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, this tent, this tabernacle 
that houses my eternal soul. The inward man, of course, the soul, the spirit of man, that which will ultimately live forever. And then death is viewed as a place, or rather death is viewed as serene. And we talk about those who have stepped out into eternity, those that have died in Christ. They are in a place of serenity. The Bible tells us that they have gone to the bosom of Abraham or paradise in Luke 23. You remember the thief that hung on the cross and said, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom? Jesus said, today shall you be with me in paradise. That is the residence of all who die in the Lord. When Paul wrote to the saints in Philippi, he said, for to me to live is Christ. To die is gain. In verse 23 of that same text, he would say that the pardon be with Christ is far better. So here we are afforded opportunity to see the beauty, the bliss, the blessings of dying in the Lord. And then I think about Revelation 14, 13, the passage that I mentioned a moment ago, where John said, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, that they may rest from their labors. And their works, he said, do follow them. And so death is viewed as serene for those who die in Christ. Now, there's a second thing I want you to see in our lesson text, and that has to do with the coming of the Savior and Lord. In verse 13, Paul seeks to begin informing the people that lived in the city of Thessalonica about their departed loved ones, those that had died in Christ. In verse 14, he begins to talk about the validity of the resurrection. Now, as we contemplate words of hope, words of comfort, when death comes, in times of death, let me begin by talking about the validity of the resurrection. And note, if you would, what, what Paul says concerning the resurrection. He said, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, let me just stop there for a minute. What is the basis for the hope that we have of being resurrected from the grave? It is the resurrection of Jesus, is it not? Look again at what Paul said. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, the resurrection of Christ is fundamental to Christianity. You strip away the resurrection of Christ and literally you have destroyed, undermined, or circumvented the Christian religion. It is a cardinal doctrine of the New Testament. Paul goes to great lengths in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 to stress the resurrection of Jesus. He points out that there were many eyewitnesses to the resurrection, or rather to the resurrected Christ. His summation concerning the resurrection of Christ is this. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, he said our preaching is vain, our faith is vain, and we are still in our sins. And then he would say, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Our hope is based on the resurrection of the Son of God. When Paul began his book to the church at Thessalonica, back in chapter 1, he talked about how these people had turned to God from idols. That is, they had given up idolatry. They had embraced the one true living God. They had been baptized into Christ they now put their hope, their faith, their trust in the Son of God. And he said in verse 10 that they were waiting on the Lord Jesus from heaven. 
And he underscores the fact that God had raised him from the dead. If you don't think the resurrection of Christ is central to Christianity, just read the book of Acts. Look at the number of times in the first five chapters of Acts that the apostles allude to the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. When Paul wrote to the church at Rome, he said that Jesus Christ was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ came forth from the tomb. And so, Paul here emphasizes the fact that Jesus died and rose again. Now, it is on that basis that we anticipate a victorious resurrection. Listen now to what he says, picking up in verse 14. There is the expectation of the resurrection. He said, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, look at that phrase, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Do you believe that one day God will raise your body from the dead? Listen to Jesus in John chapter 5. Marvel not, the hour is coming when all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Jesus said, they will come forth. Those that have done good to the resurrection of life, those that have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. The Bible assures us that one day we will come forth from the tomb. It is a fact. It is a reality. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when Paul talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the significance that it has for us. He would say in verse 50, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. He said the dead shall be raised and we shall be changed. In verse 50 he would say, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The eternal realm where we will one day reside. The Bible says we will have a body. That body will be incorruptible. It will be immortal. It will have been raised from the dead and reunited with our eternal soul or spirit. Now, having said that, note if you would what Paul has to say about the events of the resurrection. He said, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself would ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And he said, the dead in Christ will rise first. As we think about the resurrection, Paul here says, number one, we will hear the voice of the archangel. And then he said, the trumpet would sound, and the dead would rise. John tells us in Revelation chapter 1 at verse 7 that one day Jesus will come with the clouds and he said every eye shall see him and they also who pierced him. Not only will we hear the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, but we will visibly see Jesus when he comes in all of his glory. When Jesus talked about the last day in Matthew chapter 25. He said that he would come with all his holy angels. The Bible tells us that there are an innumerable company of angels in heaven. Can you imagine the sight and the sound 
of that great and final day when the Lord Jesus Christ descends from heaven, when he comes forth, the dead rise, those who are alive and remain, Paul said they will be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord. What a day. I can't even begin to wrap my mind around that, but I believe it. Now, as we think about what the Bible has to say concerning the coming of the Savior and our Lord, we need to be impressed, number one, with the resurrection of Jesus. And then we need to understand that just as Jesus was raised from the dead, we too will be raised from the dead. Paul said this mortal must put on immortality. This corruptible must put on incorrupt incorruption. And then shall come to pass the saying which is written, death is swallowed up in victory. To know that one day we will never again feel the sting of death. Thirdly, think with me if you would for just a moment about the comfort of the scriptures in the Lord. As we talk about words of hope, words of comfort, when death comes, I want to begin by emphasizing the fact that one of the great things of Scripture is it provides us with a source of assurance and reassurance. Life is temporal. Paul said, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen, he said, are temporary. They are temporal. The things which are unseen, not seen, are eternal. One day, we will lose the battle and feel the sting of death. But all is not lost. First of all, those of us who die in Christ, we have hope. In verse 13, Paul talks about those who have no hope. But to those of us who are children of God that belong to the body of Christ, we have hope. When Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to the abundant mercy which he has shown us. By what? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to a living hope. That living hope is described as incorruptible, undefiled, it fades not away, and Peter said it's reserved in heaven for you. But let me just share with you some sources that we have for comfort when death comes, when we lose loved ones. Listen to what Paul said in verse 18. Therefore, in light of the events that he's just been talking about, the fact that death is coming, that our loved ones are in Christ and they are with Christ, they're with the Lord, Paul would say, therefore, comfort one another with these words. How can you and I derive comfort in times of loss? Number one. It's my conviction that we can turn to the Lord. Is it not the case that God will comfort? Listen, if you would, to the psalmist in Psalm 46, verse 1. He said, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. In Psalm 46, he talks about the turbulence that sometimes goes on in the lives of people and how the world is faced with upheaval. And yet, out of that upheaval, is tranquility that comes 
from Almighty God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul said, Blessed be the God and the Father of our, Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies, and the God of all comfort. Many years ago, we used to worship with a lady that lost a child. If I'm not mistaken, the child was maybe eight years of age. And she said that her son was sick and needed surgery. And so in prepping the family for the impending surgery, the doctor talked about some of the possibilities that, that could take place as a result of the surgical procedure. She said, he forewarned them about everything that could have happened from a catastrophic standpoint. But she said this, he never said anything about our son dying. And he died, eight years old. That had probably been 40-something years later when she told me that story. And yet that child was just as real to her 40 years later, 40-some-odd years later, than the day her son died. But she said when her son died, a preacher came by and talked to her. And he said, the only thing that will get you through this time of bereavement is time and the Lord. There are no magic formulas to getting through the loss of a loved one. It takes time. And even as time passes, we don't forget our loved ones, do we? We still remember them. We still cherish the memories that we have of, of those that we loved and interacted with on a daily basis. But to know that we can turn to God. As Paul would say, God is the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. God can comfort us as only he can. There have been lots of folks in days gone by that have turned to God in dark hours. And, and yet, to know that we have a Father in heaven that genuinely cares about our well-being. There have been a lot of people that have lost loved ones and they have found themselves on their knees praying to Almighty God. They have wiped their tears away asking God to bless them and to comfort them. And to know that as time marches on, not only will we look in the rearview mirror and think of those that we have lost in the past, but we know that if the Lord delays his coming and we continue to live, we too will we'll lose more people that we've loved and known. It's part of life. It's a sad part of life. In John chapter 11, you remember when Jesus went to comfort Mary and Martha? He went with the expectation of raising Lazarus from the dead. It shouldn't be lost on us that when Jesus stood in the presence of those people who were distraught over the loss of their loved one, that John would record Jesus wept. 
You remember what the Hebrew writer said? We have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but one who has been tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Can God identify and sympathize with our hurts? Yes, he can. Jesus understands. We sing the song, Does Jesus Care? Oh, yes, he cares. Peter said, and I've used this verse often, and the reason I use it is because I believe it's one of the great passages in the New Testament. Peter said, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. Death can be a vicious blow to any person. And there are a lot of things that we don't understand in terms of death coming. We just know it comes. And we have to deal with it. And then the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 4 at verse 16, Let us therefore draw boldly under the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you remember what Paul said about God the Father? He is the Father of all mercy. He is the God of all comfort. What are some of the sources of comfort? Number one, it is the Lord. To know that we can turn to the Lord and find comfort. The second source of comfort would be the Lord's people. Again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul talks about the comfort that we derive from Almighty God. And he said that we can thereby comfort those who are troubled with the comfort by which we ourselves have been comforted by God. Does it help when a brother or sister in Christ comes to our side at the loss of a loved one and says, I'm praying for you. I love you. I care about you. You're in my thoughts, my prayers. If there's anything I can do, I'm willing to do it. Doesn't that help? Yes, it does. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. In Galatians 6, 2, Paul said, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Read Job 1 sometime. Go back and refresh yourself with the story of Job, the plight that he faced. You remember he lost 10 children? He lost his wealth and then add to that his own health. His wife said, curse God and die. In the narration of that story, the Bible tells us that three friends came on the scene. They came for the express purpose of mourning with Job and comforting him. And the Bible says that for seven days, they never said a word. Sometimes when death comes, our presence says it all. And listen, we all struggle with what to say, and sometimes we don't know what to say. The best thing, sometimes, don't say anything. Just be there. Just be there. Give them a hug. Let them know you're praying for them. That'll do it all. That says it all. And then the third source of comfort. We talk about the Lord, the Lord's people, and then the Lord's word. Listen again to what Paul said to the church at Thessalonica. Therefore, comfort one another with these words 
God's word can comfort your heart. In Romans chapter 15, the Bible talks about the Old Testament scriptures. Paul said that the things which were written before time were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Go back and read about some of God's great servants in the past that lost loved ones and see how they dealt with their sorrows and their anguish. And note, if you would, how God stood by them. I think about David. David, as you well know, lost an infant child. And that, no doubt, must have been very hard for him. And David said, I will go to him. The Bible tells us over and over again that death is not the end. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life in John chapter 11. The scriptures can give us hope. They can give us comfort. We read about the saints of days gone by. We read about the words of our Savior. We read about what the Bible has to say about the hope that is before us. I want to ask you this question. What is it that inspires you when you think about death? when you lose a loved one. Let me tell you what inspires me. To know that my loved ones that have died in Christ, they're with the Lord. They are being well taken care of. They are at rest. They are in a far better place. And to know that one day I will have the opportunity to be with them. One day there will be a great reunion. You like family gatherings and family reunions? Can you imagine being with people that you've loved, that you've known, that you've spent time with and done great things with, fun things with, but they're in eternity now to know that one day you'll be with them again? How inspiring is that? Sources of comfort, the Lord, the Lord's people, and the Lord's word. Don't ever forget that this book will pick you up when you're down. The psalmist over and over again talked about the blessings of this book. The psalmist talked about meditating on it day and night when tears and troubles come. Turn to God and turn to his word. Tonight, if you're here and you're not a Christian, we're going to invite you to become a child of God. Because you see, we believe that there is something better than living in the world, and that's living in Christ. The reason why it's better to live in Christ is because you have hope when death comes. To know that Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Jesus is coming again. And when he comes, he's coming for us. Are you heaven bound tonight? If you haven't obeyed the gospel, this is your golden opportunity to do so. Believe in Jesus. Believe that he's the son of God. Repent of your sins. Confess his name before others. Be immersed in the watery grave of baptism. In so doing, the Bible says, God will wipe away every sin. 
to know that you can be forgiven. I had a phone call Friday from a gentleman in Little Rock, Arkansas. And he was concerned about would God forgive him? And he talked about some of the terrible things that he had done. And he said, I just want to know, will God forgive me? Please listen very carefully. I don't care what you've done. God will forgive you. I don't care where you've been. God will forgive you. The Hebrew writer said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. You can be forgiven tonight. You can go home a child of God knowing that you are heaven bound. The Bible says be faithful until death, the promise being the crown of life, Revelation 2.10. If you're unfaithful to his cause and you've lost your way, why not come home? Come back to a loving God who will abundantly pardon, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Come as we stand for your encouragement.